Hi. <laughs> Hi. So I have a problem. It turns out that I started caring what people think again, and it has messed my shit up. <laughs> so you're, this little podcast here is going to be me working through how to get to the other side of of not caring what people think. And this one's going to be hard because I care what you think. That's the problem. The problem is, is that I recognize the fact that you're my friends and I care what you think because you're my friends. <laughs> and so I have these stories and these things that I haven't, I have been too self-conscious to post because it is really, really, really difficult to be unapologetically positive. And let's just talk about it. Like, I feel like my life feels frivolous. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't want you to think, I don't want people to think that I don't, that I don't have a grip on what's happening in the world and that I'm just, you know, skipping through life and not paying attention and, you know, talking about my stupid magic. I mean, let's be honest. What I am has never been cool. <laughs> it's cool to be cynical. That's just been true. And, you know, we learn at a really young age that magic doesn't exist. You know, think about, think about how we learn that magic isn't real. Our parents, our most trusted people, tell us about Santa Claus or tell us about to the tooth fairy or tell us about, you know, whatever we're, we're, we're led to believe from the time that we can read books and, and take in content that magic is real. And then when we're about eight years old, right, when we're becoming conscious of the world around us, we rip it all away. We, we reveal the fact that it's all been made up. And in that betrayal, we are shown in a really, really unfriendly way that this magic that we believed in is not only not true, but it was a deception that was created by the people who love us. And I... I mean, I don't know about you, but if I remember that time, like it, then all of a sudden, if you are in on the knowledge that it's not true, that magic isn't real, you're cool. And the kids who are slower to figure out, understand, believe, or release in the idea of magic, not cool. And, and I find that like, the times in my life 
where I have succumbed to snark and gossip and, you know, like feeling like part of a belonging group because there are other people who clearly don't belong and it's because whatever, because we have, you know, it's so fun to have inside jokes. It's fun to have inside jokes. It's fun to feel that way. We're all just like wanting to feel like we belong and that's like a way to do it. But God, it really, well, (laughs) my story is I allowed myself to give in. I allowed myself to feel cynical. I allowed myself to like just be in the space of just, you know, like being snarky as shit. Like I'm, I'm walking around in the grocery store and I'm just being annoyed by humanity. Like, yeah, like I've, I've spent like a full day just being completely annoyed by humanity. Am I entering my villain era? And the thoughts that came into my head were so insane. <laughs> like, like the ways that my brain decides to be a villain are like, it's really ridiculous but man it was uncomfortable I missed I missed feeling like me and it's still been a little bit of a struggle to come back from it it's so enticing sometimes I really have a hard time seeing the possibility it's getting harder um but I don't know I just hit my nose ring and it hurt (laughs) fuck so in 2017 I read a book that was an amazing deep dive into what the flow state is how it works and how some of the top performing organizations use the flow state to problem solve and to work in teams. And I, at the time, was trying to create systems where I could drop into a flow state because what I recognized is that my happiness was actually derived from being in flow. And I had figured that out through ecstatic dance, but I had also figured that out through work. You know, when I was editing and writing and creating, I could drop into a flow state and it would be hours and hours before I came up for air and realized I needed to eat and go to the bathroom. But I also realized that that was my like happy place. Like there was a a feeling of being in a state of flow. So I, I found out that the author was going to be giving a talk at Burning Man. So I head on over to it. It was very interesting because he ended up turning his talk from the flow state into something else. And he went on to share that in the process of researching his book on the flow state and talking to all of these really high performing, sort of the smartest people in any industry, whether it was agriculture or the economy or the environment, you know, people who look at economic systems, 
And basically he said that every single one of the sort of the top thought leaders in each of these very different industries were tracking data about the future of, you know, projections. And all of them had basically system breakdown in eight years. It's like that hockey stick graph where it's like gradually going in the wrong direction. Then and all of a sudden it just it just falls apart. And he said that they all independently had the same timeline, which was eight years. And that was in 2017. And it was kind of a challenge to the people who were there. And he was saying, you know, we can hotel California our way out or we can start doing what we need to do in order to make the world what we want it to be. It's been six years since then. And I ran into this author at the psychedelic conference and I approached him. And my question was, you know, in 2017, you said we had eight years. I'm wondering if you are revising those numbers at all. Like, did we, do we have more time than you thought? Have you been looking at that? And he looked at me with this knowing, resigned, sad gaze and didn't say anything. And I just said, oh. And then I said to him, because I had just attended his, his session at the conference, and I said, well, then isn't it time to set aside cynicism? If there was ever a time in the history of the planet for us to block out the the things that generate that feeling of fear and focus on the things that generate that feeling of empowerment and hope and possibility. Isn't it time to lean into anything is possible if we if we try hard enough? And so yeah, I think that I'm gonna have to be very, very, very discerning about the content and the information that I am um, taking in because I think that it's going to get more intense and maintaining my own optimism and showing up as someone who can hold that possibility as real and see it and truly feel it and describe it in ways that maybe connect with other people who also could then sort of lean into that possibility and see it. I mean, I feel like it's a Hail Mary pass, but it's the best one I have. <laughs> so <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go down swinging. <laughs> like like whatever whatever big thing is coming, right? Like now, right now, this is it. This is the time. We're it. If you're listening to this, you're it. We're it. This is it. This is it. And I feel like I have to 
I want to, yeah, like just do everything I can to create the world that I want to live in, the reality that I want to live in. I want other friends who also want this. They want, they want, they want to go for it. They want, the, they want to celebrate the things that are so beautiful about this world and be in a space of creation and possibility and love and connection and creativity and contribution. They want the playground. And I just, I want that so badly. Like, that's the world I want to live in. And I, I, that's all I can do is just like lean into that as a possibility. So <laughs> coming up next, <laughs> how Amy and her random spiritual friend that she met, who coincidentally happens to be on the forefront of fighting Monsanto, came up with a reality in which we flip Monsanto and Monsanto becomes the good guys. <laughs> so I think that's going to be my next podcast. Might as well lean into the <laughs> unapologetically positive point of view. And then I'm going to also share the phone conversation I had with my friend who, when I told him all about my adventures in Europe, which I've been hesitant to post because it felt frivolous, but maybe we all need a little frivolity since when is frivolous bad, actually? Yeah. Let me look at that. Who's saying frivolousness is bad? It's like saying you're having too much fun. That's not a thing. Actually, who's going to, who, okay, yeah, fuck that shit. I'm frivolous. I'm, I'm embracing frivolity. I hope that you can be a little more frivolous too. God, for fuck's sake, this life is so serious and there's so much stress and, ugh, we don't need more of that. We need more frivolousness. It might be the vibe that we all need. So, okay, leaning into that, I'm going to totally share the magic of my raft camping trip. That that was, A, what an adventure, and B, it was, like, crazy magical. I had a dragonfly land on the tip of my nose and just, like, hang out there. It was so wild. <laughs> And, of course, I knee-deep in getting ready for Burning Man, which is all has already proven to be so unexpected. It's like, like we as, as humans have such a desire to be in tribe and in community, but, like, what our culture has turned it into is this feeling like you just want to belong in the group that everyone else wants to belong to. And that's typically been the people with all the resources, the ones who have access to all the cool things. And I've been thinking about that because, you know, it doesn't matter how many cool things you have. If the vibe is not there, then it's not that fun. But besides that, I've been really thinking about like what I've been looking forward to and what I really enjoy now and like what I really want is to be around people who can laugh at themselves who have gotten to the place 
where they have the ability to laugh at themselves and the permission and the freedom and the love and the care that goes into that dynamic feel is like the ultimate belonging to me. And I've been thinking about the steps that it takes to get to the ability to laugh at yourself. Basically, there's four major steps. The first step is you have to have seen and accepted this thing about yourself that you do, even if it's unflattering, especially if it's unflattering. That's the that's the key, actually, is can you identify the ways that you show up that like are humaning? And then the next step is you need to have relationships that are loving and connected enough that they feel safe calling these things out to you. Like they have the psychological safety where they can be like, hey, you're doing this thing again. And your reaction is, oh my God, totally. But most definitely not counterattacking, right? Then the third step is that there also needs to not be a real energetic charge between you and these your friends about this thing. Like they need to just unconditionally have accepted this part of you as part of who you are and there's no bad feelings around it, right? In both directions. And then the fourth thing is you actually can laugh. You laugh. You're not laughing it off. This is not laughing it off so that you don't look as foolish or diffuse the situation, but genuinely are able to laugh about the the ways that you're human. And I've gotten, I've been able to experience that this summer. There's something about going out in nature with people <laughs> that, that brings that out. You know, vacationing and camping, like those kinds of things. When you do this with other people, there, you know, there's not, it's not easy to hide. You know, it's kind of why like the, my kids school does these high school backpacking camping trips together at the beginning of the year. And it's just such an effective way to connect and bond because you there's only so long you can hide and then eventually the real you comes out and if you're lucky enough to be surrounded by friends who love you anyway that's just the best you know yeah it's just the best so I hope that I'm like that for my friends I hope that they Sometimes I think my humor can be a little bit biting and a little bit edgy. And I I always want my friends to feel just so loved by me that even if I like say it in a way that could have been a little bit softer, they know that it's still coming from a place of love and acceptance for who they are, fully who they are. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Did I do it? Did I do it? I think I did it. I think it I think that it has occurred to me why it is so important for me to put aside my thoughts about what other people might think and just plow ahead because there is nothing that I will regret more than not feeling like I gave it my best. I I gave it my, my best shot. 
I see this world in so many amazing, beautiful ways, and I want it. <laughs> and so I'm going to go for it. That's what I'm doing. I'm going for it, guys. I hope that's okay. I'm just going to go for it, okay? <laughs> if you made it to the end of this one, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I'm just going to leave it at thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Back on track at the next episode. Love you. Bye. Bye.